0: Today on Blue 58, the Packers' offense has been better this year than in 2018. Or has it? In at least one specific way, Matt LaFleur's team is actually behind Mike McCarthy's. Let me explain. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We've got some interesting stuff to talk about on this one and stuff that may be of interest only to me. Let's find out, shall we? Uh, Packers busy on the waiver wire this week, claiming Tyler Irvin after he was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Presumably, he's going to be their new kick and punt returner because shortly after they claimed him, they released Tremont Smith. One-to-one, figure it out. I thought Smith was okay on kickoff returns, but honestly, that doesn't really matter anymore. Kickoff returns, if you can't get it past the 25-yard line, you're hurting your team anyway. So unless you're really explosive in the return game, um, you're probably closer to neutral than anything. It, It really doesn't matter, is my point. Punt returns, though, the Packers have been in trouble for a while. And even though Smith had a three-yard return this week, they're still negative for the year in punt return yards. Enter Tyler Irvin. He's going to get a shot to figure this out. 5'10", 195 pounds or so. He's listed at 185 pounds on Pro Football Reference. It's interesting to me that he's built a little bit, well, actually significantly different than previously previous number three running backs the Packers have acquired under Brian Gutekunst. Most of Gutekunst's guys have been thicker built. Devontae Mays, Dexter Williams, like 14 other guys last year, Uh, They've all been like that 220, 225-pound stocky, fairly explosive athlete. Um, Irvin is more of a track star uh, with that build. Uh, He's a fourth-round pick for the Houston Texans in 2016. He has five career carries for 15 yards, 14 catches for 91 yards, almost purely a returner. Elite athlete in a couple of areas, broad jump at 130 inches at the combine. That's 96th percentile. That's pretty darn good. Vertical jump, 39 inches, not too bad either. He ran 4.41 one in the 40-yard dash. His 10-yard uh, his split wasn't great in the 40. If you're looking for areas to be concerned, that may not really matter on kickoffs since he has some time to get up to speed anyway. Could be a factor on punts, but really, we're pretty seriously splitting hairs here. Um, also of note, his nickname is Swerve, which I think is cool. Call him Swerve and Irvin. That, uh, that works for me. Uh, The real question, is he any good at returning kicks and or punts? Uh, In the NFL, kind of. For his career, he's averaged 21.1 yards per return on 36 career kickoff returns. That's not the – he's not setting the world on fire there. Jermon Smith, for example, averaged 23.3 yards per return on 13 this season. Both of those fall into the net negative as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, if you can't get it out to the 25, you're probably actually hurting your team anyway, considering that you could just let the ball roll into the end zone and kneel it from there. On punt returns, Irvin is averaging 8.3 yards per return on 61 career punt returns. That's not terrible. It's not setting the world on fire either. And further, we should note that 57 of his 505 career punt return yards came on one return in his rookie season. If you take that out, his average is all the way down to 7.4 yards per return. But still, that's way better than what the Packers have done so far this year. Pretty much anything is worth a shot at this point. And hey, he did return five kick and punt kicks and punts for touchdowns in college back at San Jose State. So, He's proven he can do it at at least one level of football. Anything is worth a shot. We'll see if he actually plays. Uh, Maybe he's another Ryan Grant signing. Uh, Also of note this week, in terms of the waiver waiver wire, former Packers wide receiver Trevor Davis was released by the Oakland Raiders, and I, regardless of whether or not they actually need him, wanted the Packers to claim him just so they could achieve the trade for nothing. You'll recall that the Packers traded him to Oakland way back in September for a sixth round pick. They subsequently signed Ryan Grant, whom o- Oakland has released or had released. Um, and now Ryan Grant hasn't played, and Trevor Davis is out in Oakland. Now, the Packers could have claimed him on waivers and gotten that sixth round pick for nothing, just getting back the guy that they traded, which I just, it doesn't mean anything. I just think it would have been really cool. So I looked to see if the Packers had actually ever done this. Pro Football Reference has an excellent trade finder. Unfortunately, it only goes back to 1994. The short answer, based on my research, from 1994 to present, the Packers have never traded a player for a pick or for somebody else and then later re-signed that same player. I was unable to find a situation like that. However, they did achieve something pretty close to this. Um, in 2016 and then in 2018, we've mentioned this on the podcast before. In 2016, the Packers traded the 57th, 125th, and 248th picks to the Indianapolis Colts for the 48th overall pick, the now infamous Jason Spriggs trade. Now, the 125th pick became Antonio Morrison. And in 2018, the Packers traded undrafted free agent corner Lindsey Pipkins to the Colts for... Antonio Morrison, the guy who was drafted with the pick that they ultimately held. So it's kind of close to that other situation. Not really. But if you just pencil Antonio Morrison into that 125th pick, it's kind of like they did. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Let's move on to something actually substantive as far as this year's Packers. Punt returners, hypothetical trades, and or waiver claims, not so much. Explosive plays on offense? Potentially, yes. So I was doing research on this a while back and uh, and wondered how the Packers compared to the 2018 Packers in terms of explosive plays. This is one of the things that we track. We've talked about this on a fairly regular basis this year in terms of how many explosive plays the Packers are creating, what should be considered an explosive play, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you should be familiar with that conversation. If not, uh, just check back a couple episodes or check out our advanced stats page at thepowersweep.com for more information on, on explosive plays. In short, we're looking for 12-yard runs or 16-yard uh, completions. That's what we consider as explosive. We explained our methodology before. So I was looking and thinking about how they compared to the 2018 Packers. Uh, was wondering if uh, if anybody actually had any data on that. And then I was like, eh. I don't know. That seems like it'd be a lot of work. Wait a second. I have those numbers. I did that work already. Let's see what we can figure out. And here's what I've learned. I was actually surprised to find out that the Packers offense is producing fewer explosive plays in 2019 than the Packers did in 2018. Through Through 12 games, the 2018 Packers under Mike McCarthy produced 84 explosive plays. An average of 7 per game. So far in 2019, through 12 games, the Packers have produced just 76 explosive plays. An average of 6.3 per game. They are just a little bit more than a full game behind their pace from 2018. This is interesting to me, in part because of the, uh, the week or the anniversary that we just passed. You remember... December 2nd, 2019, or 2018, you should, because that was the day that Mike McCarthy got fired. That was an interesting day, wasn't it? Packers lost to the Arizona Cardinals. I found out about the news after I came out of that wonderful movie, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald. That movie sucked. Things have changed quite a bit since then. And the story was that the Packers are going to get a lot better on offense without Mike McCarthy in 2018, but at least in, in 2019 rather, but at least in this area, they are not quite up to where Mike McCarthy was. This is significant to me because explosive plays are important. They help you score. For one thing, each explosive play that you generate makes it more likely that you're going to score on that drive. Explosive plays, or chunk plays as he calls them, are also a big focus of Matt LaFleur's offensive philosophy. And if you can't produce them as efficiently as Mike McCarthy could, even in 2018 when he was having a bad year, that's something you should at least be thinking about. At least a a, a data point that puts some of LeFleur's offense in context. Also, producing big plays consistently is a sign of a good offense. If your offense is clicking and clicks for a, a long enough time, you should pile up a pretty significant amount of explosive plays. So my question is why aren't the Packers producing as many this year? I can think of a couple reasons. First, they have a less explosive passing game. Running game is fine, but the Packers are producing explosive plays less frequently in the passing game. So far through 2019, they have produced 55 explosive passing plays. They had 65 at this point of the 2018 season. There's at least two contributing factors to that number. First, Devontae Adams missed a month. His turf toe injury took him out of the lineup, and he was the Packers' leader in explosive plays in 2018. This year, he's on pace for just 11 after putting up 29 last season. Secondly, Jimmy Graham has also dropped off. He had 12 explosive plays in 2018 and probably would have had more had he not broken his thumb against the Seattle Seahawks. He really dropped off if you look at his numbers and even how much the Packers were involving him in the offense last year. He's on pace for just seven this year. He had his sixth explosive play on Sunday. So two big reasons there that the Packers have had a less explosive offense and a less explosive passing offense in particular. Overall, they've generally just been less explosive Among their top playmakers as well. As I mentioned, last year, Devontae Adams had 29 explosive plays, but behind him, Aaron Jones had 18, and there were three other players who had 10 or more. The aforementioned Jimmy Graham, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and Equinemia St. Brown. Both MVS and EQ had 10 explosive plays apiece last year. This year, Aaron Jones is on pace to put up 20 explosive plays, but nobody else is really keeping up. Adams is on pace for 11, and so is Marquez Valdez Scantling, but A lot of his work was early in the season. He has really tailed off as the season has gone on. Then you've got Alan Lazard on pace for 10. And finally, bringing up the rear, Jimmy Graham on pace for 7. That is, pulling out the abacus, just four players on pace uh, for 10 or more explosive plays. And again, fewer even in your top three. 29, 18, and 12 were your top three last year. This year, we're on pace for 20, 11, and 11. That's not as good. So if we at least acknowledge that the Packers are having problems producing explosive plays, the next question would be what does this mean for the Packers long term? They've got four games left in in the regular season and then presumably the playoffs. There are probably situations where the Packers could end up missing the playoffs. That seems unlikely. At this point, things would have to go really haywire. So assuming the Packers are going to be in the playoffs, what does a lack of explosive plays mean for their offense and for the team as a whole. First, let me walk it back just a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world to be producing fewer at this point in the season because of a couple mitigating factors. First, the Adams injury. As we said, that's really taken a little bit of wind out of the sails. Uh, He had been doing pretty well on the season as far as explosive plays were concerned before his turf toe injury. That really made it tough on him. Uh, down the stretch here, and he's he started to come back on a little bit, but it's taken a while for the Packers to get their offense back on track. Secondly, the Packers have generated quite a few more explosive plays in the running game. They have 23 so far in 2019. That's five more than the 18 they had through 12 games in 2018. So at least they're replacing some of their drop-off in the passing game with more explosive plays in the running game. Secondly, and I alluded to this with the Adams injury, the offense, I think, is still working its way back to 100%. They've had a bit of a tough go over the last month. They had two defenses that really seemed to have them figured out. They had Devontae Adams coming back from his injury. It's been a bit of a work in progress here over the last few weeks. Adams' return, I think, threw a bit of a wrench into this offense, and they're still figuring out exactly where all of the pieces go, especially as they try to sort out what to do, I think, exactly with with Alan Lazard or whoever, across from Devontae Adams. Right now, nothing seems to really be coming naturally or as naturally as it was earlier in the season, but I think there's reason to believe things could get figured out. For for starters, just getting the snaps figured out at wide receiver would go a long way towards... I think, normalizing the passing game a little bit. If Alan Lazard can just step up and say, okay, I'm going to be the number two receiver, or if the coaching staff just says, okay, it's going to be Alan Lazard, the number two receiver, everybody else sorted out amongst yourself behind him and Devontae Adams for snap counts, or we'll do that, I guess. That could do a lot to streamline this offense. It's worth noting that week six to present, Alan Lazard is second on the team as far as producing explosive plays. In that stretch, Aaron Jones has nine. Alan Lazard has eight. He's really coming on pretty strong, and there's reason to believe he could help their offense continue to be explosive as, a, as the season goes on. Kind of as a, as a related point to that. I think there's reason to think that tight ends could be a little bit more explosive as well. Jimmy Graham has really tailed off in terms of his playing time the last couple weeks. He's been under 50% in terms of total snaps. That means more opportunities for Robert Tanyan and Jay Stoneberger, both of whom you'd think would just be more explosive than Jimmy Graham just by virtue of not being 50 years old or having the knees of a 50-year-old man. I... Probably defend Jimmy Graham more than most. I still would have a hard time saying it's been a really good signing for Brian Gutekunst. But I think no one would make the case that he's as good an athlete at this point in his professional athletic career as Tanyan or Sternberger. And Sternberger isn't even that, that great of an athlete as far as top end tight ends go. Mercedes Lewis has also been surprisingly explosive when he's gotten the ball. He's actually averaging 13 yards per catch this season. He has a way of just figuring out how to get open. So I think as the Packers offense kind of gets things figured out um, over the next few weeks, they may return to form. They may continue to be more explosive as the season goes on. There's a way that you can look at the schedule they have remaining as just three get well games, the Vikings, and then the playoffs. They've got the Redskins this week, uh, then the Vikings, and then um, the Bears and Lions. Oh, excuse me, that's that's out of order. It's Redskins, Bears, Vikings, Lions. But the point, I, I think you understand it. Three of those four opponents should not be tremendous challenges for the Packers. I've said I think there's a chance that the the, or the Lions or Bears could jump up and bite them. The, the Redskins looked pretty okay this past weekend, too. I'm still not going to pick against the Packers any of the, in any of those three games, but at least a couple of them give me a little bit of pause. The Packers have some time to get this stuff figured out, is what I'm saying. And and maybe they can do that down the stretch here in the regular season. It would behoove them to do so before the the, the playoffs, because whether or not they are better or worse than the 2018 Packers ultimately is immaterial. They just have to be the best version of the 2019 Packers that they can be to really be competitive in the playoffs. And to be competitive in the playoffs, I think they have to be producing explosive plays. So I've got for you in this episode, I do appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you like what you heard, please take a second to leave us a rating and review or a follow, or a recommendation, or whatever it happens to be in the podcast listening app of your choice. It's going to help more people find the show. If you want to take your support to the next level, check out the support page at thepowersweep.com. There's a variety of options for how you can support us there. If you just want to do the simplest, easiest thing um, in terms of supporting the show, leave us a comment, uh, a suggestion, a question, a bit of feedback of any kind on on social media via email, however you want to get in touch with the show. If you've got a question or something or just want to help us uh, do research or something like that, anything that you do like that is going to help us make this show better, which is going to further our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue58.